this prisoner please contact customer service at 855-466 subject matter of the preceding podcast is entirely alleged and not admissible in a court of law. A recklessly minimal effort has been taken to change the names and details of any guilty parties. And just in case you right bastards get any ideas, the hosts of this podcast are notorious and well-documented liars with no legally admissible credibility. This is Mama C, and you're listening to Notes from the Pin Podcast. Welcome to prison, bitch. And Bobby wants to talk about, well, won't you lay it out, Bobby, since it was your idea? Well, first of all, it doesn't have to be serious. This isn't like some super heavy. I mean, it, it, there are probably going to be moments where it might tend that way. But one of the things that I think about a lot in here, both both like wishfully thinking, but also um, a little frustration and anger that it wasn't different. And I'm sure a lot, a lot of people can relate, and it was why I wanted to do it. So after coming to prison and, and going through a bunch of the stuff I went through, there is this realization in here that like, man, if I could have like reached these realizations without going through, without like barely surviving and hurting a bunch of people along the way about the way my brain works and, and what life's about and what's important and all this other thing stuff, if I could just go back, it's like one of my biggest wishes, if I could just go back and just drop a little, a couple gems on old young Chino or things that, so I've always had this, this, this thing that perturbs me, and you kind of know about this, and it kind of ties in with you, is that, when it, and I think I might have may have brought this up before, if I have, forgive me, where if I'm learning something, I always use Spanish as an example, if I'm learning Spanish, but it goes for anything I'm ever learning, I always know that, okay, I'm going to learn this, and I got to learn it the way this guy's teaching me or this book's showing me, but I know there's probably a more efficient, better way to teach this that the person or the book isn't really hitting on. And the frustrating part is I won't know until I master it or, or learn enough of it to go, oh, no, oh, no, 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 you should have taught me, you know, this about the conjugation of Spanish verbs and how it differs from whatever it is, right? But there's always this frustration because I know once I know enough, it'll be too late to fix it to go back and learn the right way. But I'll realize this little thing about, about whatever subject I'm learning. I go, they should have told me this. And I have that about my life, too. Where I'm like, I wish I had someone in my life to tell me some of the things that I had to realize along painful and, and hard way. And one of the few people that wasn't able to teach me about the deeper things, but I respected as a, as like a, a someone I could trust knew what they were talking about if they said they did was you. And you're always really good at teaching stuff. So when I broached this to you, I was like, I, you know, like that's something I think about a lot. Like, what would you tell your younger self? And in my specific case, it applies to real life because it's what I need to be able to tell my son who I don't get to talk to anymore because our minds are so alike and I can be that person for him. And and I need to figure a way out to do that. And so one of the ideas was he's 10 now and he's going to be, He's a smart kid. He's going to be figuring out social media. And at some point, I'd like for something, for, for some of the stuff he finds, if I don't use this platform as like at least one or two episodes to be a little message in a bottle to him, you know, I can't, I don't get to talk to him like I should be able to talk to him and like I was able to for the last couple of years now because of, you know, Monica's parents don't want, think it's like damaging to have me in his, whatever. And because of that, 
I at least need to like, I, I would like to put something out there. So if he was to discover this within the next couple of years, which I'm sure he will at some point, he doesn't see it and go, damn, how come he doesn't even talk about me? And this might be my only opportunity before I get out to tell him some of these things about himself. And like, you know, I would look around and be like, my brain, do you, do you, my mom, I love my mom. She's great. She's, she's a smart lady. I don't know my dad. My stepdad's not, doesn't have a brain, anything like mine. And, um, you know, me and you have similar brains too. We were too close in age and too much of degenerates to really help each other with it at the time. But, you know, so that's like one of the things I wanted to do with this is like, if you could go back that hypothetical that a lot of people go through and, and talk to your younger self, what is it that you would, you would find, you know, worthy of imparting on your younger self or your kid that you can't talk to anymore. Yeah. And this is something that I don't sit around and think about, but, uh, you've, you've made a lot of, uh, progress even though you're you're locked up and um, you know, you know got it worse than anybody you know me or anybody else that's listening, but you can still have a positive attitude a lot of times because you've been putting in the work. And uh, I, I guess maybe that makes you more uh, you know you you can I, I don't know man that's just not an avenue I think much about. I don't sit around and go well, what should I have told my younger self? But the the more you know now that you bring it up, there are some things where I'm like. Yeah, how come nobody told me that? How come I had to come up with that on my own? I could have saved a little bit of pain. Yeah. Well, there's also the thing, too, like when I said this to you, and I was like, you know, uh, old germ the worm, it, if not just you, but anyone who's maybe has, like, still hasn't figured certain things out or has, is still struggling with stuff, my initial response or, or thought was, well, maybe they don't have any. You know, if you're just a, a homeless person, a homeless junkie on the side of the street, what are you going to tell your younger self? You haven't figured it out. But then I quickly realized, like, no, no, you could tell them, like, hey, don't be, don't start doing heroin with that guy Frank, or, you know, what I mean? or whatever it was, or um, hopefully something deeper about addiction. You know, when when I framed houses for you. You always had a reason, and I'm that guy. I was always that guy. Why? Well, why? And you would say, well, this, because this, and you had thought about it, and, and you had reasons for why you believe that. There's like, okay, so before I get into, like, the deeper stuff, some of the superficial things that kind of frustrates me now, and this isn't, you know, everyone's parents, like, I was so lucky. My mom is just loving, compassionate, thoughtful, just caring, and, and, and super, like, like, not condescending at all and would take the time to explain stuff to me when I was younger. And my grand, my mom's stepdad, so my, I mean, my, well, I wouldn't know any difference. My grandfather, growing up, oh, Papa, you know, he lived in, in Dearborn, and I was down in Florida, so I didn't get to see him but once or twice a year. And uh, he would do the thing that I feel like you might have been able, you might have um, soaked up from a Wani beer that I needed more of. Now, my, my, my dad, I mean, technically he's my stepdad, but he's been there forever. And I love him, and, and he just, now he never made me feel like I wasn't son or anything like that. But we're very, very different people. Like, like you you can't ignore it. He was a drill sergeant, so you might be surprised at what I'm about to say, but old Papa would, would tell me, hey, stand up straight. Lift your chin up. Pull your shoulders back. Look me in the eyes when you shake my hand. You know what I mean? Make eye contact when you talk. Like, those little things... Like, I now see, like, I didn't have that at all, and I wish I did. Yeah, and um, my dad, too, he, he coached uh, my little league teams and stuff like that. But there just wasn't this – our, our – our our style of communication or interaction is so like it's almost like we speak completely different languages. So I didn't. I need someone to go, hey, jackass, 
lift your, what are you, well, are you a man or not? Lift your chin up. Look me in the eyes. Look like I needed like some of that. And Pop would do that for me, but he passed away and, and there wasn't a lot of that. So there's like superficial things like that that are obviously um, things that I would say to Cash. Cash is my kid. And then there's also things that like kind of broach into the deeper things as well. Like, like you, you hear shit like from, Adults like personal responsibility. I have a different understanding of it now. I kind of understand at its core what it what it means or the way I would take it. And you know, there's parts where if Cash ever listens to this, I'd want to want to tell him like, okay, this is more specific towards us and you too, though. Like as far as like these certain types of brains. And I know a lot of our viewers are in the same boat as us with the way their brains work. And I would tell them, listen, kid. And I didn't, my mom couldn't tell me this. She didn't have problems with this stuff. My stepdad didn't. I said, listen, kid, your brain's going to be fucked up. Like, and I don't mean like you're going to be mentally handicapped, but you're going to go through some emotional stuff where, or it's really probable that you're going to, you're going to find yourself in these dark places mentally with depression and, um, you know, seeing like the atrocities or, or the meaninglessness, the apparent meaninglessness of life and, and society. And there are things that are going to seem like impossible to overcome. And at some point, if you don't deal with those things, you're not going to realize why, but you're, when you, the first time you get drunk or the first time you pop a pain pill, you're going to just love it way too much. And you might not make the connection, but those things are definitely connected. And what I really didn't have, because my mom did the best she could. She noticed, like, I was going through these, this existential despair, and she would, you know, she sent me to a, a, a not a shrink or nothing, but just a doctor who was like, well, let's put on Zoloft. And uh, I would want to tell my younger self or Cash, like that's good and there's there's you know those things can help you they didn't help me though um because i along with that i wasn't ever told like you're per, you're responsible for your mental health too there are things you can do to help yourself along with it and to uh, make it a little bit better and it's on you and this is like the lesson of life it's on you to do what you can and and like it's only on you because no one else is going to make sure you do it and if you don't do it going to get a lot harder and then it's going to be you're going to have to try to fix addiction because addiction was just as you know in the depression and the mental state and the meaninglessness and the purposelessness of life and all these other things that you're going to assume about life without ever doing like the work to know and find out if that's true but also the work to like maintain your mental health and stuff and in a way it's kind of like a, a badge of honor because most of the people I know who have um, depression and issues with that you know we put the label depression but really I feel like it's an incompleteness or, or a sense that something is missing from life and it's usually from people who are really perceptive and pay attention and they go what is all this shit about and they're asking themselves deeper questions which that's a blessing to be one of those people but it comes with baggage it's a curse yeah, but you can deal with that curse. It's on you because you're, you know what I mean? It's on you to deal with that, to figure out meditation or what makes you happy, exercise and, and all these other things. And that's kind of uh, uh, your, your cross to bear is that that thing, that curse comes with this, this other type of brain that's more perceptive and in a lot of ways the more alive. And if you can figure that out, if you can figure out how to, how to minimize the baggage, and which is what I basically what I've been doing since I've been in prison, and through that, like the world opens up to you, and you're like, oh, now like I really feel like I'm unstoppable, and I can do almost anything I put my mind to. All right, can I jump in here? So when 
I guess I, I totally understand where you're going with this, and it, you would be if I, I if I could tell my younger self if I could give them. I know you use like the diabetes, um, or you know, if you're a diabetic, you could. But you know, you could apply it to you know the to be analogous for you could work on your diabetes if you're a diabetic, and you can work on your mental health if you have mental health issues. You could work on if you've got a bad ticker. You could just go get stints every time you have a, a, a heart problem, or you could start, you know, change diet, maybe light exercise or whatever else things that are good for your heart. But what do you do? I mean, how do you? You got to you got to square this circle for me. If if you're 12 or 13 and hormones are starting to kick in, and you are one of these people that think sort of like uh, you and I do, how, how do you, if you're going through some sort of uh, existential despair, I mean, do, do you go back to uh, 12-year-old Bobby and you say, hey, kid, what are you doing? Stick your chest out. But, you know, look me in the eye like a man. And you're like, I'm depressed. What do you, you know, F you, the last thing I want to do is look you in the eye. I, don't, I got anxiety because of looking you in the eye. Yeah. No, no. Well, the first thing you, I would do is I would sit down and talk to myself because I think what I needed, in hindsight, what I needed most was someone who understood me. So I, so I could know that someone had knew what, what I was talking about and had been down that path, could relate, and then they would gain credibility in my mind, the way my brain works, to, to give me advice on it. You know, so, which is why it's so, like, frustrating and so important to, like, be in my, my Cassius's life. You know, obviously, I like, the fatherly thing where he's, like, I love him so much, and we're just, we've always had the best relationship. And that's, like, that part of it is some slightly selfish, because I love being around him. I love talking to him. He makes me laugh. He's just brilliant and all these things. But the selfless aspect of it is, and I told the judges when we had our, when I was trying to, because I still have my parental rights. Most people, A lot of people who are doing a lot of time in prison don't have their parental rights. I still have my parental rights, which apparently mean nothing, because during the, the hearing I had, I said, I speak his language, and he, we have the same brains, and, and I'm in here partially because I never had anyone to explain to me how our brains work and like what you can do when things seem hopeless and so the first thing I would do is find someone for him to talk to and now and nowadays I think there's a lot more um, avenues to find someone to talk to back then like if you didn't know anyone in your personal life I was going through that had the same type of problems and people didn't talk about it as much back then either then you're kind of shit out of luck you know what I mean? So I would totally. That that's the thing I would do if I could be there with him. But also just knowing for someone to say clear-minded to me that it's tough, man. I know it's tough, but life is tough, and it's gonna be tough. But with those struggles that you can absolutely and will overcome if you put put in the work, and if you just remember that these things are part of life, is that you will be forever stronger after it. So don't look at these things as something that are gonna break you. Look at these things as something, as opportunities to become stronger than ever. And life, that's one of my biggest mistakes or misunderstandings of life is that life is supposed to be fun and easy. Because when you think that, life is obviously bullshit because it's not fun or easy. 
Okay, and we're back. Um, you know, a, a lot of these are like uh, things that I wish. I, I don't know my real pops, and um, who knows? Maybe his brain's like mine. I don't really don't know much about him. But you know, some of the things that like uh, I've uh, gained through hard knowledge or hard experience, or or just that I just wish I could like impart on him. And and I think where I left off was that. One of the most detrimental things in general with life is misunderstanding things. And being through experience, some of the experiences I've had, I have a better understanding. One of the, the main things, if you could just make it super broad, is that you're you're not a failure if your life isn't easy and fun. You know what I mean? That, that, that you're kind of misunderstanding the point of, like, this physical existence of, like, this giant miracle of, like, the one sperm making it and fertilizing the egg and carrying the term and being born in a time where, where you can appreciate technology and you don't have to worry about starving to death and all these other things, right? And and you we get complacent, and then we kind of – at least I was never told that, like, hey, life is tough, but – it's not to the whole goal isn't to avoid those tough situations because you can't really especially especially you i'm just going to talk directly to him cassius well uh, cassius has a lot that he's going to have to deal with a lot you know mainly put put on him by my failings as a human being and it just kills me that i haven't been able to talk to him in almost a year now and you know, I always made a big point of like, man, when I have a kid, I'm going to do the opposite of what my dad did, and, and I'm going to be there for him, and, and all the things that I didn't get to gain knowledge from him about. I just had no one I could look up to growing up that was like, hey, kid, this is what's up. This is what's going on. This is what you need, especially the, the male figure type. And so that was like one of the things that I had to realize is that life, because when you think life's supposed to be fun and there's not supposed to be struggle and it's all about ease and comfort, you're going to be disappointed because that's not the way life is. I, one of the things that I w would want him to know, too, is that uh, – and it's hard. It, I'm not going to say I want you to know, son, because the viewers are involved in this. All you guys are involved in this, too. And without you, there wouldn't be a podcast for him to find one day and to hopefully listen to this because he sees his name in the title and stuff. So I, I don't – it would be tough to be like, you this, you that. But I would want to tell him, too – that there are two like things pulling on you personality wise right it, your mind where your personality is built and all that stuff and then your heart like your chest that intuitive sense of like right and wrong and love and you know when when the really deeper things hit you they hit you in the chest and they'll hit you in the head and i spent my whole life not even realizing that that could you could let you could let the heart behind the wheel instead of the mind so mine was always mind 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 and uh I could, I'm an intelligent guy, so I could rationalize all kinds of behavior, right? And I could let emotion and anger and frustration, you know, justify me doing ridiculous or reckless or non-beneficial things and, or, or whatever it was. And I would love to tell him that you have, like, this compass. I, I mean this, you know, I can't, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to make anything up. There, there's a compass in your chest, and if you quiet your mind down enough, you can, like, really let that guide you, and you should let that guide you more. The things that I remember, the like, to this day vividly are when I went back or, or against, like, the feeling in my chest about right or wrong. 
and and I willingly ignored or suppressed that feeling in my chest and just rationalized it mentally. I still remember some of those moments of, of things I did and those things, and I'd want them to know that those things stick with you forever. And let your pay attention to that in your chest more because it's never ever steered me wrong. My brain has steered me wrong a million times, like over and over and over again. But that thing, if you can pay attention to that and and ignore peer pressure and stuff. I'm just a dad now, I guess. But, uh, you know, there's a... I would tell them that peer pressure is just a bunch of scared people. And in that in that mind state, care less about what people think. Because in order for you to, to give them the credibility or the position above you to care so much, in a way you have to, like, downgrade yourself and, and put yourself in a position where you need their approval. And... This is a hard one. I think this is where so many people go astray, and I don't know if this would even sink in if you have to learn this or experience, but that peer pressure thing is a motherfucker. And if you can trust yourself more and be like the leader in those situations, you know, you'll be better off for it. I think everyone would be. Just close yard. Oh, of course they did. They just closed yard. All right, so uh, we had to go. This is uh, what happens when you do guerrilla radio and one person's in prison. And something wasn't sitting right with me, right? And, and a, lot, a lot of it, some of it had to do with the fact that we were doing the, um, like the first two calls or whatever, and we're kind of getting on a roll, and then it got derailed, and then it's a day and a half later, and we're back, and blah, blah, blah. But that's not it, because we've done that before. That's not what the problem was. And I realized what the problem was. The problem is, is I'm trying to somehow like accurately in real time while I'm thinking these things without having them all written down and stuff. But even if I did have them written, everything written down, I'm trying to portray what would take a lifetime or years and years of conversations with someone and lessons that need to be ex uh, um, highlighted by events in your life so you can use references. And I, I'm trying to take a lifetime of being there for someone out of like desperation because I don't know what else to do and squeeze it into an hour long podcast as like a cold opener and there's no way that's going to work and I was in it and it felt like you know there, sometimes you'll you, you know you'll relate to this when we do certain episodes you'll get off the phone or, or we'll hang up or we'll do the, the, the outro and it'll be like you know, we got something there. I don't know what it was. You know, we're going to have to, you're going to have to go back and listen to it, but there was something there. Uh, you know what that feeling feels like. Sure, right? sure. Uh, I, mean, I don't, I don't have it. And I was like, why? That's why. It's just, a, it's impossible to do something that even just one of these things I would want to teach them, you could do hours on. And in the sake of that, I just figured I'd just come out and just riff and just say what I really want to say and what this thing's about. This message in a bottle, uh, aside from the stuff that might have been repeated or I've been stumbling over, and there might be a few things in there worth keeping and stuff. And hopefully the viewers, we've built enough relationship where they'll stick along and be like, let's hear what this guy's got to say, because hopefully at the end there will be some sort of redemption, <laughs> which we're all fingers crossed um, playing out in my actual life at some point as well. But... This is what I want to say. Cassius, if you've somehow stumbled across this profanity-laden, rambling series of lessons and, and things that I, I, I aimed at my younger self but also applied to you, this is what I want to tell you. I love you. I miss you, and I love you so much that 
words can't express, and certainly an hour-long podcast won't do justice to. I miss you in ways that I didn't know was possible to miss someone. I mean, I love you in ways that I didn't know was possible for someone to love someone. And I'm sorry that you've had to go through so much tough stuff at such a young age because of my failings as a man. That being said, after all that, I want you to know that I've done everything I can since then to be in your life and try to mitigate or maybe one day hope to, like, be able to fix some of the things that happened, some of the things I did, and some of the things you and your sister, who I love, all of this applies to her, too. I love her so much that we'll be able to build a relationship. And, and one of the things that allows me to sleep decent at night is knowing faithfully that the bond that we were able to build in those few short years out there was, and this isn't wishful thinking, this is, and, and a lot of it took place, you won't be able to remember all of it, but that core feeling between me and you is strong enough to uh, to withstand this and, and to at least have a place where we're going to be able to have some of those deeper conversations and questions, because I know you, you are me, your brain is like mine, and I know you're going to have tons of questions, and we're going to have tougher conversations in the future, and I can't wait to be able to have them, and they're not going to be easy, but you deserve it, and I will be there for you. I will always be here for you in every way that's physically and emotionally possible for me to be. And I never, I, one of the questions I had was, well, why didn't my dad fight for me? Or even just want to contact me. As you get older, you'll find out that I fought for you. And, and I did everything I could legally to have more time with you, to have structured time without infringing on whatever you have going on out there right now. I know you're in a tough position. And uh, one thing I say about your grandma is that she, she loves you. Both of them do, but... The one you live with now loves you, and in her own way, she's doing what she thinks is best for you. Um, but our, but our bond's strong. And I wanted to tell, and this is for you specifically. I know you won't be able to remember it, but this paints a great picture of why I'm faithful in our bond. And it's just a little small thing. So I used to be. Uh, it's happened a couple times, but I'd be sitting watching TV after work. And uh, this one that's like so vivid in my mind, I was sitting on the ground with my back on the couch and my right arm propped up on the cushion of it. And uh, your mom was in the kitchen making a cake. And I was just like scrolling through Netflix, just watching something, just, uh, I don't even remember what it was. And uh, you're running by playing with your sister. And I'm like, uh, not even really paying too much attention. And out of nowhere, I think your sister runs upstairs and you were chasing her and then you stop. And you intentionally walk over to me, and you poke me on the shoulder. And I'm like, what's up? And you're saying, Dad. And like, what's up? But I'm still looking at the TV. And you're like, Dad. And so you make sure I look at you. And then we lock eyes. And as genuine and innocent and thoughtful and present as anyone's ever said this to me, she said, <clears throat> she said, as if the thought just struck you when you were running by and you had to make sure I knew, you said, you're my best friend. And I said, uh, you're my best friend, too. And so, uh, I love you, kid. This is, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so, yeah, so it's another one of these ones. <laughs> 
that's what that's what this was about. That's what this message in the bottle was about. The the, the off chance, or maybe even the probable chance that you might find us one day before you've actually figured out how to contact me or any of that stuff. So just uh, just know I love you. That's it. So I don't know any other way to like rebound from me being a baby out here on the yard. <laughs> but uh, I figured that was more what I wanted to say. And that's why it didn't feel complete or, or whole. That's what I should have been saying. Hi everybody, Mama C here. For the complete library, full episodes, and bonus content, and mainly to support this cause, visit Notes from the Pen on Patreon. To learn more about body and prison reform, visit our website, notesfromthepen.com. And follow us on Twitter to stay current. This has been another Notes from the Pen production.